Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about playing unreleased hacks of games and then deciding to hack those games into new games. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we're sitting down in a uh, studio in, at Metatopia in New Jersey with Megan Dornbrock. Hello, heroes. I'm Megan. We're talking about games we played and games we want to make in the future. All right, so as you heard from the introduction, we have a very special guest here with us. Um, a terrible, horrible person mm -hmm. that brings you nothing but garbage and vitriol. Uh, Megan Dornbrock of the Modifier po Podcast. Yay, that's me. Just garbage person, garbage human. I, I was promised things to get in here, and I, I feel like I've been lied to. Well. I've been kidnapped. Someone help me. <laughs> Nope, you are oh. here of your own free will. Oh. You can't pretend otherwise. It's a lie. So, um... So here we are. We are in Morristown, New Jersey, at Metatopia, currently. It's November 6th. We've been here for three days. And well, I don't know about the rest of you, I've not slept nearly enough, and my no. voice probably sounds like the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. I slept, I slept a lot last night, because I went to bed at midnight, and we gained an hour... Yeah. So I got like oh. eight hours of sleep last night. I was up far too late doing yeah. things last night. And this is now the second time I've recorded on the Sunday of a convention. And I should have learned my lesson, but I think I'm a little bit more awake this time. And this so. time, you're not on the floor. I'm we, not. We got well, you a chair. You can't say I we mean, didn't get you anything. I mean, no one else knows that I'm not on the floor. But okay. yeah, I mean, we I could be. We promised you a chair and we got you a yeah. chair. That's true. I was given a chair. It's probably okay in here. We promised you a pony and we didn't yeah. get you a pony. Yeah. I know. That's fine. I don't know where I would put it. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I think we talked about Met Metatopia, what it is, enough last episode. Yeah, let's touch on it just in case new listener that is a new listener that didn't meet us at Metatopia. Well, <laughs> Metatopia is a gaming convention that is aimed towards developers. So the idea is you're playing new games in order to playtest for developers and help them get things shorn up and Kickstarter ready. Yeah, and... And a lot of panels of people talking about game design, absolutely, and how you how do you get in that headspace, or um, how do you promote or whatever your game, start your business, do character sheets. Yeah, it just occurred to me we didn't explain what your podcast is. Oh yeah. Oh, it's we this podcast but better. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, at some point we're going to do a real a full plug. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that'll go at the top. Okay. No, so, that was it. That, okay. That's that's my pitch. Is okay. Stop hack and roll, but better. Okay. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> no. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so, the big thing I think that we were bringing to Metatopia is we had a panel, the three of us. Yeah. Yeah, we did that. I was like, did we? Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So uh, Saturday morning, we all sat down and talked about what, what, what we do. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. The things that we like, which is hacking games and what that means. And we uh, tried to break down some terminology for what that was worth uh, and talk about like what makes a hacked game and what, what do you have to do to, to do those sorts of things yeah. uh, and get it out there and hopefully um, avoid legal ramifications while you do it. I believe that that will be available on the RPG panel cast. Yeah. Uh, and if it yeah. is and we're able to get the link quickly enough, we'll, yeah, we'll post forward the it link. along. Yeah. And I think it went well. I think we, yeah. my takeaway was it was a little too broad. We should have focused in on a, a topic. Mm -hmm. Well, we did list it as 101. Yeah. So th this was a basic thing. And I, I think next year maybe we yeah. should look at a more directed topic. Mm hmm. 
I, I think the people who would have been interested in that topic, uh, uh, we were also competing with another panel that uh, about using a, a specific system uh, that... Some little developer, Vincent, Vincent Baker? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Whoever that guy Apocalypse is. Apocalypse something. Yeah. Not Apocalypse that and Dragons? Half yeah. of my episodes are Apocalypse World Hacks or anything. Uh, so I, th I think that's sort of where the it's consciousness good. is right now. And I'm sure it was, like, I can't wait to listen to that panel on the Yeah, on the, yeah me on the neither. Yeah. I'm excited so I'm sure that. it was fantastic and probably full of ideas and ways to use specifically that system. Uh, I think our broadness maybe hindered us a little bit. Yeah, so. I didn't even realize that the panels were being recorded last year and went up somewhere. And so I didn't go back and listen to any of the panels, and I'm definitely going to do that because I missed a couple. Yeah, I think they're all on um, Jason Pitt's. Uh, okay, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast. And then I, I stumbled into a couple panels that I didn't think I was going. Like we thought we were going to the character <laughs> sheet panel, and it ended up being about project management. And everyone left, and I was like, "This is the coolest." Oh my God. And I nerded out about project <laughs> management for like an hour. But I mean, um, I'm so glad someone is excited about those things. I so that I don't have to be. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I tweeted about it, and there was someone else who responded and said they were equally excited and that it was a good oh, panel. Oh, my God. So, I'm sure it was a good panel. It was. Um, I, to be fair, I could listen to Rob Donahue, Fred Hicks, and Emily Dresner talk about almost anything. <laughs> and so that was, that was fun. I struggle in panel. I get antsy mm -hmm. and have to, like, move around and stuff like that. Uh yeah, I'm basically like an untrained puppy, so uh, <laughs> sitting down for an hour, yeah. listening to someone else talk. You gotta take him outside like every 30 minutes. Like, yeah. It's, it's not good. I'm trying to like eat things out of people's purses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other stop, hack, and roll thing is we brought uh, Pasión de los Pasiones. Yeah. And did three play tests, including one with the very talented Megan Dornbrock. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. I was in the third one. Yeah. So I I let Brandon make his game good before I got to it. So. <laughs> and it was it was actually very good. I say a lot of mean things to you, but thank you, Meg. Now this is gonna be recorded that I said a nice thing. Oh, well. oh. Yeah, that's, that's my new ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> I could bleep it out. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, there was. Maintain. <laughs> there were three play tests. One was the high test, which is just developers, and it was small, and uh, we ran it GMless. Mm-hmm which was the intention from the beginning. The second one, we had uh, seven out of the eight playbooks and ran it GMless, and it definitely faltered in a lot of places. So I'm kind of trying to clue in on what went wrong and making sure that things just hit genre. Yeah. And in the third one, uh, an alternate showed up. Several, I think, alternates. Yeah, I think everyone on the list showed up and a couple of alternates, and so I was just like, here, everyone have a playbook. And so we had eight people... And I sat back and GM'd, and it worked a heck of a lot better than no GM mm -hmm. in a big group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm now playing with the idea of it being a game that is GM'd. Yeah. I For some reason, I always thought it was, I think. And I don't... I, I like it. I think that I didn't think that it was GM'd because it has no NPCs in it. Uh, yeah. The idea is that all of the drama is between the player characters. Yeah. I think having a GM um, helped us stay on course, but if you had some other kind of mechanism to keep us in like an episodic format, I think that would help. That's the other thing. I've been uh, talking with people that have suggested that I look at uh, Swords Without Masters, mm -hmm. which is a game that I've been meaning to read for ages and haven't read 
I, I, I want to run it too because it's a really cool sounding game. But I need to look into the scene framing mechanics of that apparently. Okay. Yeah, no, it, I was worried when uh, eight plus people sat down at this table to play this game. I was like, oh, this is a big group. I don't know. But that's a good stress test. Yeah, yeah and, and the intention was to test different things. And I tested the systems I wanted to test. Mm -hmm. uh, I tested uh, with a GM, which I hadn't intended to test, but yeah. I think it was good that I did. I think so too. And uh, I've been getting a ton of really interesting feedback that I can really work with things. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a really good group, too. We had a bunch of uh, folks that we know from Twitter were playing with us, yeah. and some people that I have played with at these conventions before that I know are just amazing role players. So seeing them, those people in particular sit down yeah. among that huge group of people was like, okay, we will be able to get through this. Like, this yeah. is going to be a good run, and it really was. Yeah, I really, I was, I got fantastic players for all of it, and just to geek out for a second, uh, I had Mark Diaz Truman, who wrote Cartel and works with Magpie Games and does all of their stuff, which I spent like two and a half weeks stressing out about and asking James and my wife all the time, hey, but what if Mark Diaz Truman is <laughs> at my table? <laughs> I'm pretty sure... You worried him. I said existence. that it might happen. You did. And then, I, and then it happened. And then it so happened. So I made that happen for you. I think you did, yeah. Uh, I don't know how, but... But yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, uh, so will. definitely going to be more Pasión de los Pasiones, and uh, I'm going to say look out for it on Kickstarter eventually. At some point, yeah. And we'll, we'll probably do, between then and now, or between now and then, we'll probably do, we'll, we'll give you time to sort of get in your head all the things that you learned and, yeah. and do another mm -hmm. couple forms, and we'll, read, we'll touch base with it again. Yeah. As it evolves as a game. Yeah, but I think there's a possibility that it is a game that people will be able to get their hands on within 2017. I don't want to make any Good. promises, but I think the PDF will be okay. in people's hands 2017. Oh. I think you can do it like if you get through the playtesting because I think you know and have enough people behind you that will help you with like the logistics of things and the making it nice things like just the support that I got yeah. here at Metatopia was just phenomenal yeah. and there's I, there's nothing I can suggest to a designer more than going to Metatopia with a game and just mm -hmm. putting yourself out there. Because uh, everyone was super nice. Yeah. And even if you don't have a full game, like I did two playtests with uh, Mark Richardson. Yeah. Where they, the Mark well, Richardson. The Mark Richardson. <laughs> one of them uh, of Headspace. Of Headspace. One of them ended up being just a focus group, which is always what it was intended to be. And the other one was like a light alpha that ended up just being a focus group. And okay. just sitting down with, here are some of the mechanics that I have. Here's what I'm thinking this game might look like. And going forward with that was nice. And I it was really fun to just sort of like get into his head about what he was thinking his game design might look like for those games in the future and getting a lot of feedback about the raw form of that game. And I think both of them went from... The, the Paper Dolls is still really um, early in its development, right. but I'm really excited for that um, because we started with Paper Dolls and kind of ended up with Gloom, <laughs> which is really cool. Okay. And having a bunch of like see-through transparent yeah, cards that awesome. have clothes and you would stack them on top of your character. <laughs> Um, and then the other one was uh, Treads, Treads. Yeah. which is very cool. And from what I understand, it was a little rocky during the first playtest. And I sat in with um, Fred Hicks of Evil Hat mm -hmm. and a couple other people. And I think we got it to a point where it's like on its way to becoming a real game. Nice. 
I know he was really excited about that. I'm really excited about it. It's it's like I like it's a game about five people being in a tank Mm -hmm. and all of the like anxiety that comes from doing that while in war. And I left the 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 focus group anxious about (laughs) playing the game at some point, but excited to do that. And like it's got so much chaos and so much, um, like everything has to be do you have to be doing everything all the time to keep the tank moving as a unit. And so if someone gets injured. You have to stop like driving the tank to go help mm. your buddy, but if you're not driving the tank, then more people are likely to get hurt because your tank isn't moving anymore. And so, right. it's like these cascading terrible things, and you build up these characters in role playing scenes. And I think it's gonna be very good. I think, and it's and that is we'll get to this later, but that's the game that I want to hack the most. Yeah, coming out of Metatopia. Oh, when it's a game. Okay. Because I've been looking for that like people bottled up in a small machine thing mm. to play a spaceship game in. And that's, okay. I think that's the system. Nice. I might have to change, it's all based around a core um, poker mechanic, mm-hmm. because it's loosely like you're all playing poker while you're in the tank, oh. but the um, the river of, um, the poker river of the cards on the table, yeah. they progress like a like tank tread, treads. Yeah. Oh. which is a very elegant that's, mechanic. And That is really cute. That's and like, not like in like a bad way, like that, yeah. that pulls it in in a really tactile and it, awesome and it adds way. more anxiety because you're like I'm looking at this poker hand now and but maybe I wait for it, the cards to move a little advance a little and maybe my poker hand will be better but maybe it'll be worse yeah that's and like my buddy just gave up a card to the river or to the tread yeah to make that better so do I do this now or like and or did he waste that yeah so that's really cool it'll be interesting to see where he goes with that hmm. and there's not that I want to be like a huge Mark Richardson fanboy, but I think he he Too thinks late. he thinks about games in a way that really like connects with the way I think about games, mm-hmm. and so getting to listen to him talk about that was really cool a lot. Well, awesome. That is what, in a broad way, that's a great way to find games that will appeal to you. Yeah, because we have like a couple of labels of things. Like we have you know our OSR old school games, and we've got the more traditional games. And we've got, like, indie, which is just an absurdly huge category. But if you look at what designers like and what they are writing, you can start to kind of find, like, little constellations of people that know each other and write the same kind of games. You did a bunch. Of, you didn't bring a game, Meg, to no, play test. No, I did but, not bring a game. But you did a lot of panels. I was, yeah, I was on a couple panels, and then I play tested a handful of games. Um, and they were just all, all really good. I'm excited for everything that I tested. Uh, I was in a playtest of Dialect, which I had backed on Kickstarter before coming, because I, yeah. I listened to the one-shot uh, playthrough of it, and I was like, all right, this is fun. I like language. Like, definitely. I was definitely a linguistics nerd in in, uh, in college, and if my college had offered more than two classes, I would have taken every single one of them. Yeah. Um, a uh, Playing through it, like, I came away so happy that I had backed it. Like, I am so... We only played through about a third of the game, but it's just so good. Um, Working, building these languages with a group of people was very exciting, and I want to see how it... Like, how how the game progresses and how you watch these things die and how things kind of evolve over time. Um, So that was cool, because we built a pretty good story that, like, we could see, even only getting through the first age, we could see where it was going to go. Like, we knew how this was going to work out, and... uh, we were really excited about it. Um, 
I sat in on, well, besides the the panel that we did together, I sat Mm. in on your accessibility panel. Yeah. And that was good because that's not a thing that I think about, I think, a lot. And I'm trying to change that. And it gives me things that I can think about as a sort of bouncing off point for a lot of the games that Brandon is working on. And for the games that Mm -hmm. you are working on as well. So there's a rave upstairs? What's going on out there? A little bit of inside baseball. Uh, the group upstairs just started wildly raving out. So uh, this is now an episode of Stop, Hack, and Rave. And we'll hopefully be able to get some of that bad audio out. But there might be some funky things. You know, recording at a convention is always... Oh, and yeah, there, there it is again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a proof that we're really in a real building and not just all in, like, my basement. Yeah, yeah exactly. Your, your mom is rocking out upstairs. <laughs> so what were, what were we talking about? Oh, uh, we were talking about accessibility. Oh, yeah, yeah. And your accessibility panel. panel. Yeah. How'd it was that cool. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't come. I, I, I don't remember why I wasn't able to be you were, there. You were playtesting something. Yeah. It was um, from talking to you and listening to your podcast, I've got my end because I'm kind of a visual person. Mm-hmm. I get, I, I've been, I think a lot about design in terms of the like the low the low vision stuff and yeah. um, making sure that fonts are big enough and that there's good enough contrast. I had and and, and I, I hadn't thought about any of the like physical accessibility stuff and that was yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So the panel was uh, Elsa Henry, who has been on my show. Uh, she is uh, legally blind, low vision, like I am. She also has some hearing uh, disabilities, uh, and we had uh, Aaron Holly, who's got. Um, more like motor related disabilities mm-hmm. so she was there to, to give us a really good perspective on you know games that involve you to like hold cards move pieces around uh, do those sorts of things right. that that many people can't participate in for one reason or another and I know there are some tools that can assist with that like um, my my stepdad has use of only one of his hands because of a stroke. So like we've got some things that help you hold cards and like help you do things. Mm-hmm. But like some people don't even have that, uh, and that's not something that gets thought of a lot. And another thing that we tried to touch on a little bit that I don't think we we touch on nearly enough are like auditory because especially when you're playing games uh, in a group together face to face or even on on the internet some. Yeah, um, and especially at a con when there's so yeah. much extra noise yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to take an if, you have a, if you have a table full of people next to you that are shouting in Spanish and laughing <laughs> or, or a rave going on upstairs yeah, yeah. none of none of these things would ever happen at a con uh, so yeah we're we're really well versed in the the visual aspects of it and I think that's super important and it's still something that not enough people are taking into consideration. Uh, but we we were trying to hit on some of the other topics as well as so as as well as we could have. So it was it was a one hundred and one. It was an intro kind of panel. A lot of the stuff that we've covered on the show before. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, like we had some really good questions about running awesome running games at cons, like making the spaces themselves accessible. Uh, what kind of information should you be giving up front about your game? I think there are still like, and you hit on a couple really like hard unsolved issues of like if you're running like New World Magiscola and mm. so much of your thing is like you want it to be in a freaking castle, yeah. Not everyone can walk up the stairs in the castle, and then what do you do? Do you like call the whole thing off because yeah, you can't accept everyone, or do you? How do you deal with that? And everyone is going to have a different opinion on it. Like yeah. we did on on our panel, you yeah. know. There's there's the the school of thought that like if you cannot make your thing accessible to everyone, then you should not be making it. And then there's like 
this the point of view that like okay sometimes you need it to be a certain way to express what you want to express and like i get that as both an artist and as like as storytelling you you need to tell that story in a very specific way to evoke a particular feeling yeah um and it just comes down to weighing your options is it worth it to tell the story exactly how you want it or to, to make the experience exactly as you want it versus having everybody be able to play it and that's just something that you as a designer have to make that decision every time you make a game yeah and i think um, there's probably some middle ground in there as well like yeah i mean i i don't intend to translate my game into chinese and japanese and <laughs> and I <do>. like <laughs> every language you can think of in the world but and so that means there are people that won't be able to read it, read but, it and won't be but, able to play it. But the point was like one of the things you can think about is there are ways that you can make it much easier for other people to translate. Mm -hmm. So like if you re you can release like plain text versions of the game, which make it easier for someone to drop it into a well, to either put it into like a screen reader type thing or to put it into a translator. Yeah, and I, then yeah. you don't have to necessarily translate into every language, but you can do things. You can not publish the game in type four handwriting right. oh, style yeah. font. My intention is to make it accessible yeah. to as many people as possible. But I, my my hackles get up and I get worried when I hear uh, when I hear don't make the game because. Yes. No. Same. Uh, because to make a game, I think accessible to truly everyone, you're looking at games that don't have any pieces that you move around mm -hmm. they don't have any cards that you pick up they don't have any you know they're they're missing so many components which games like that do exist they, but they, not every game needs to be that game yeah they don't have language they don't involve socialization with another person yeah uh like it's you cannot make a game that is literally accessible to everybody that game is sitting alone in your room but, yeah like, but <laughs> i mean there are people that can't just be sitting alone in a room like even that is yeah. not accessible to everybody yeah so like make stuff and make it accessible mm -hmm. because there are easy things you can do to yeah. make it way yeah. more accessible to that, an that enormous was kind amount of, of people. The big takeaway from that I took from the panel was yeah. just there are some like really obvious things you yes. can do to, ma to make sure you're catching 95% of people. And the other big takeaway was just ask people. Like people, yeah. like your mm -hmm. point of there are so many designers out there who have different abilities and they design games for themselves so they know how to fix those problems yeah. and they're a great resource. Yeah, I think being as uh, as prepared as you can initially with your game and then being open-minded about the feedback that you're going to get as you are sharing this game with people that say, oh, I can't do it because X, Y, or Z. Um, and then knowing that, yeah, there's going to be that left, that 5% or 3% or like min small amount of people that you are not going to be able to accommodate with your game and either being able to be okay with that or like explain why yeah you've made the choices that you've made and yeah i mean it, you're not going to get 100 percent of everybody mm -hmm. and that that's the hard thing like it would be awesome if we could oh yeah but getting as close as you can is what's important one yeah. of the things um, that um i think it was elsa was talking about was being able to sort of improv, change your game on the fly. Mm -hmm. Like, if mm -hmm. your LARP typically involves darkness, but you've identified that someone in the LARP isn't going to be able like, to be cool with that, well, then that time, don't run it with complete darkness. And that way you can include that person. And then yeah. other yeah. times you can go ahead. But being a, being flexible and, not, and being open-minded about it, because the worst thing for me would be ever having to turn someone away and say, you can't yeah. enjoy this thing yeah. because I didn't do any prep work. And that would just be horrible. 
So. Yeah. And the other big thing that I think we, we came back to with LARPs was there's a lot of uh, wanting to, to preserve the mystery or the, the excitement, yeah. you know, building yeah. that excitement um, through surprise, which uh, a lot of us are guilty of with games and, and other things, uh, you know, like wanting w- wanting to, to spring that on somebody and be like, oh, look, 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 you had no idea what you're getting into. Uh, people need that information up front uh, to be able to assess whether or not this is going to work for them. And they're not being an asshole by trying to get you to tell them your secrets ahead of time. They just want to know if they're going to have a fun evening at yeah. this thing. Uh, so so being able to let go of of that to a degree, I think, is important. Yeah. Uh, so LARPs especially, and maybe even some other games. Like if, if you've got twists and, and crazy turns coming in your RPG that, oh, suddenly we're playing this now, or yeah. like... Yeah. Suddenly we're using these tools. Haha, isn't that a fun, yeah. like, fun not, surprise? Like not just twists in terms of the story, but twists in terms of what game you are playing. Yeah. You sit them down and you say, there's a, an example of a game, I can't remember the name of it, but we'll put it in the show notes, um, that it's a three-player game, and two people, and so one person thinks that it's a romantic comedy, mm. and the other two people know that the that one of the people is a serial killer. Uh, so you play out this romantic comedy and they're asking you questions and you're developing this serial killer and why he does the things that he, why he or she do, or does the mm. things that they do. And then at the end, one of the characters just gets murdered. And that is the game. And that is so interesting. Yeah. But... That's a game you got to be really, really careful about, and I don't think it's a good design philosophy from an overall standpoint. Yeah. I think it's a really inaccessible game in a lot of ways. Yeah. But super cool if you can make it work. But is it worth it? There's there's so many different yeah. questions. Involved. That's that's the kind of game I think you if you want to maintain that surprise, you need to really know who you're playing with. Yeah, there needs to be and be deep like trust. Yes, yeah. and and some of that is. Just being upfront and saying, knowing people, telling people that there might be something that different. Oh, okay, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like yeah, that ruins if, it. But like, if you if you say yeah. from the beginning, what are like let let's set down lines and veils, and know like what are things that we will not allow into this, uh, just to even and say like you know yeah it probably won't come up, mm-hmm. but if it does, and then having the X card in the middle. Yeah. Um, because the X card does so much at your table. I bought a couple games. Okay. Probably Ooh. too many. Um, I finally caved and bought Headspace. By I had been Marcus. holding out, trying to see if he would do another run of the hardcover. Okay. Because I like my game books to be hardcover, and it sounds like that's not going to happen. Okay. So I, when I was looking at the, um, they have a the indie uh, indie game. Indie Bazaar. Indie Bazaar. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the the pl- the the, uh, the play mats in the middle. Yeah, uh, for the middle of the table with your with your different group stress tracks. Oh, great! And the and the little like chips that go on that, and then the special headspace dice. And so that was where I was like, okay, I need to buy this. <laughs> so I got that. Um, I picked up a copy of Microscope, which nice. okay. we we played once yeah. together mm-hmm. actually. Um, yeah. And I want to dig into that more. Got some shared gaming history. Yeah. yeah. Aww. And then oh, I, gross. We're friends. And then I bought. We are um, secretly. I bought Shock. We're holding hands. We're holding hands now. Okay. It's weird. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't do that anymore. 
I bought Shock by Joshua. Is it Shock? Yes, yeah, Shock. Yeah, Shock. By, uh, I oh, that one is good. I've played that with some I don't, folks. I don't know anything about it. I just, I've been seeing it, and it's a sci-fi RPG, and that's what I like. It was the other game that I have played a charismatic cult leader in, so I love it. Nice. <laughs> and then I have a problem where I, like, in the way that I fanboy about Mark Richardson, I also am a huge fan of Joshua A.C. Newman. I think that and all three of us are big, enormous, embarrassing fans of at least one person. So I, I don't oh, really know least. much about so uh, Shock, but I, I'm going to read that book now. And it just the thing I love about um, Joshua's stuff is it all is just beautiful. Yeah. Um, and the other book I bought was his new game. It's called The Bloody-Handed Name of Bronze. Hmm. And it looks really cool. It has a lot of cool art in it. And so nice. I'm gonna I'll be that. excited to see that one. Did any of you guys buy anything? Uh, I bought nachos. <laughs> okay, that's close. That's like I, a game. Uh, I I usually um, I come to all, at least for the, the the last year I've come to all of the double exposure events and I buy too many games from that booth because it's right by the bathrooms that I like. Yeah. So I I always walk past it. I'm like, well, I need Ryotama. Well, I'm gonna need Golden Sky Stories. Oh, Sagas of the Icelanders. Why not pick that up? Too? Like I've just come away with too many things. So this time I actually only bought um, a comic book. Which was cool. Um, she brought comics this time, which I was very grateful cool. for. Um, a thing of backstory cards. Cause okay. Yeah, you know, they could be useful. And then I picked up Aaron Clooney's uh, little, it's a little game for making um, those little slice of life, four panel slice of life manga schoolgirl comic things, oh, like nice. wacky little, I was like, all right, I need I need adorable mega game, so uh, I'll it's see how that works. It's not even the thing that I have any idea what oh, it is. I've never even heard of it. Azumanga Dayo. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Right. Okay, so it's, it's a blank spot in my nerddom. So you need to clear a weekend in your schedule so we can just watch some anime. Is what's going to happen? <laughs> have like a an anime weekend that yeah. I come down to New York and yes, uh, we'll uh, we'll eat little little anime snacks and okay. watch uh, watch some have Pocky. Anime. Pocky, yeah. some mochi, and we'll, those uh, donuts that are white and black and Pokemon rice balls, rice balls. Yes, they call them donuts. Yes, in every English translation, ooh, I love donuts. Yeah. Like, yeah, nondescript Pokemon food. Mm -hmm. Okay, because okay. we don't want to talk about maybe we eat Pokemon. Yeah, let's not talk about yeah. eating Pokemon. No. <laughs> so those are yeah, that's all I ended up buying as far as uh, game stuff goes. I came into the weekend knowing that if I see Fall of Magic again, I am going to buy it. I have been waffling on it since the beginning of the year. That's the first, like, I've been keeping a list of the games that I play this year. It's the first game I played this year, and I've wanted it since. I and I just, games like that. I just, like, but it, it's so pretty and good, but it's a little pricey, so, like... Mm. Yeah. But they didn't have it, so I got to save a little bit of money this week. <laughs> I, I didn't buy any games, but I committed to buying two games as soon as they kickstart. Yeah. And oh. I'm just, I'm, like, over the moon about these games. I'm so into these games. Which? Uh, one of them is called Found Footage. It's by Vera Vartanian. I hope I'm saying the name right. Right. I That's a name that I always struggle with. It might be Vera. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if I've got it wrong. Um, but it is a card-slash-story game about a found footage uh, horror game, a horror movie. Mm. And it, and I'm, a, and I'm an embarrassing fan of found footage. I just go on YouTube just for hours and hours and hours at a time watching like Everyman Hybrid and Slenderman yeah. stuff. So is this your perfect Slenderman game? I would play this as a Slenderman game in a heartbeat. It was perfect. It was so on point. Like 
you have cards that you have scenes that are set up that give you an idea of like what's going on and really hit a bunch of the good tropes for found footage so like this is the scene that you are relaxed together as a group of people and everything's okay and there can't be any horror things in this this is just some characters connecting or this is the one where uh where things truly get terrible and something gets destroyed uh and then you also have cards that you're putting down that are either camera cards that tell you this is a pov shot there's a one pov shot or this is everybody taking turns looking into the camera and speaking a couple of sentences and so it mm. gets that feeling and then there's the horror cards that are like the horror appears in the background the horror leaves a message for you it might not be understood yet foreshadowing of the horror and it is just it's brilliant it made we had like a an evil an evil um child bear like a child and her evil uh toy bear okay which normally like that puts me into snoresville like as soon as i saw what was going on with mm. that i was like oh i'm checked out and then the very next round of cards came up and i was just like i'm in i'm in 100 percent. i'm so happy this is perfect and it, it just it sings it really does awesome yeah that was one that was on my list early on but i think i had a conflict so well, I played something else. You're luckily going to get to play it because I think it's 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 done. Okay. It needs production. Cool. Other than production, it's done. Uh, and production might take a while because it is uh, customized cards. But, I mean, you could play it with a deck of cards, but don't. They, this needs to be customized cards. It's going to be it's gonna be good. I'm really, really psyched for that. And I don't even want to hack that because it's so much on theme. Uh, and I've got another game that I'm also super psyched about that I also uh, said that I was going to back immediately, and I absolutely will when it does. Uh, it's called The Ward by Kevin Petker. Ooh, yeah. Did you hear about this I one? I did. So I've been casually behind the scenes and without really talking about it on the show, working on a Grey's Anatomy Powered by the Apocalypse game. And this isn't a Grey's Anatomy Powered by the Apocalypse game. This is a legitimate... This... So I was looking at the show as you're playing the actors on the show, you're playing the characters on the show. He's looking at you are playing the doctors in situations like an ER thing, like a little bit mm. more serious mm -hmm. um, and just like really stressful and like really hard. It was, it was so good. Awesome. That's pretty cool. And I accidentally defibrillated somebody who had a pacemaker. Oh no! And baby. like it was like it was real bad. I was not a good intern, uh, but it was just absolutely fantastic. I'm so excited. And I'm now talking with Kevin about whether I'm gonna continue writing my game or not because he might have captured what I need to do, and I just need to kind of hack on top of that to well, add the show layer. Yeah. So that's my my planned hack for Metatopia. <laughs> Is uh, hacking Kevin uh, Petker's the walk the ward yeah. in order to be more media and more meta. Yeah, I straight up told Mark Richardson in our focus group that if he released that Treads game, I was gonna make a hack of that game for I, him. I was and just like give it to him. Be like, as Here. as Kevin and I were leaving, I was like, if you need something for the Kickstarter, I will turn this into a TV show. Yeah. And like, whether I write it, whether I write the other one or not, like I'm so pumped for it. That's it was awesome. good. It was really good. I'm glad it was. I I saw the description and and just reading through it, I was like, I could I could be in for like uh, a TV show simulation yeah. of the thing, you know. But th that was passion. That was passions for me. <laughs> uh, and 
But reading the description of the ward, I was like, that is going to be too stressful. I don't know if I can handle that this convention. It, so it like, had, I'm glad that it, it does that because I want that eventually. It has like this but, big list of things that cause you stress. Like when a supervisor yells at you in private or when a supervisor yells at you in public. Oh. And so like it has like you just like fill in this stress thing and you get conditions. It's it's really cool. Awesome. I'm so excited for that one. I don't know who I'm going to play it with. Yeah. Because I don't know if our home group would be yeah. super into that. But I'm going to push for it because it was good. One of the things that I was just the most excited for in general with Metatopia this year was there were a lot of designers who I saw were doing things with tabletop games that were not just like, here's D&D reskinned. And yeah. Not that that's ever really true, but I saw a lot of like genuinely different mechanics of people trying to hit emotional uh, points. Mm-hmm. And that those are... As someone who doesn't really, I don't really write games, I just sort of hack other games, having a larger list of tools. So when I say, hey, I wanna, mm. I wanna make the stress of being in a small space, well, I can grab this game, this mechanic from, from uh, Treads, or if I wanna yeah. do the chaos of working in an ER, or I wanna do a chaos of something else, not in an ER, here's a chaos mechanic that makes people feel anxious yeah. from this other game, I can grab that. And so seeing people smarter than me develop <laughs> mechanics uh, successfully is really cool. The The games that I played this weekend, I think, are exactly what I want them to be or are going to awesome. get to be exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played a, a Magical Girl game on Friday, uh, Five Across the Heart with Derek... Derek Chapel. Um, but he and I have talked on Twitter uh, months ago when he, you know, he's been working on this game uh, and putting it through iterations and I, I saw it show up on the list, and I was like, fuck yes, I'm going to play this this game. And uh, he is doing... Well, let me back up. There are some Magical Girl games. There are Magical Girl games out there, uh, and I have seen them, and I have paged through some of them. Um, don't know that I've played all of them. <laughs> uh, but they take a different approach to it than what I want out of a game. There's a trend... Um, Brandon, I know you don't know anything about anime. That's fine. Uh, there's a show, uh, Madoka Magica that is a everyone raves about it it's like a deconstruction of the genre and it gets dark and you do all these things and like being a magical girl isn't isn't that great because it's like a sacrifice and all this dark stuff happens and it's like i appreciate that i appreciate that that exists but that's not the version of the genre i grew up with and that's not what magical girls mean to me so to see all these games about that flavor of magical girl where it's like it's dark and it's hard and it's gritty i don't Mm. want that i don't want that game so five across the heart is sailor moon it is magical girls are it's about their relationships it's about them being impulsive young teens and trying to follow their whims and do what they want and see what happens when they get what they want or what happens when they don't get what they want and you know, marrying that with what their teammates want and also saving the world. But it's, it's a, it's a bright, it's, it's fun. It is, it is like, it's the, the messages that I want to see in Magical Girls in a game, like that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's not the game itself. Like I know he's, he's got some more iterations to go through. He's got some more work to do to figure out how to make that all work mechanically. But I think when he gets there, it's going to be the one that I point to and say like, that's it that's magical girls yeah because i was in that playtest, and one of the things that's really cool about it is the core mechanic is 
like what do you want and you put forward like you have a currency and you can okay. say i want i want this okay. and so it's all about like making like making those wants known to people yeah and sometimes what because you're a magical girl your want is like i want to go explore this 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 like broken down or like in our case it was let's go break into the school <laughs> yeah. because i want to find clues to figure out what happened to our substitute but and okay. so that was like a couple of people had goals related to that but my goal was like i want to go sabotage the auditorium equipment because mm-hmm. one of the other players was in a band with this girl who I didn't like because I think she you know, she was dating yeah. my best friend yeah. and I didn't like her. And so I wanted to like sabotage her sound equipment to make her look awesome. bad. Yeah. So like we went into the school to explore and figure out stuff and while they were doing real like heroing, I snuck into the auditorium and then mm-hmm. ultimately got caught by a janitor. That's yeah. awesome. And it was like this funny like... Yeah, I don't know Magical Girl drawn genre even a little bit but yeah. i know that tropes work yeah and i am a big pro trope person like mm-hmm. you want to aim for tropes in games because you you can't do a full deconstruction of literally everything in every genre in a especially not in a two-hour slot yeah so yeah hit the tropes and you'll be able to get things rolling faster people will recognize it and it's not cheesy or campy yeah. It's fun. You recognize a trope and you go, "Ah." Oh. That's yeah, that's that's I know that person. Like and and I appreciate that like the deconstructions exist, but not everything needs to be a teardown or a a gritty alternate version of yeah. like there's nothing wrong with playing the cute, happy, hopeful version and of it, a thing. And it was interesting because, like, the, specifically the setting, like, it was, it was a little bit of a deconstruction in yeah. that, like, the setting wasn't, you're not just in Tokyo, you're in a city where the monsters are kind of secretly running everything, and you know that. Mm-hmm. And, like, you as a group of magical girls are sort of more of a magic re- magical girl resistance. resistance. Yeah. And there were little things, like, when you transform, it, like, actively explodes things around <laughs> you because all of the crazy twirling and ribbons and things that are your transformation actually happen in the real world mm. um, that sounds so like I, a power not a deconstruction yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's, looking it's, at the system and, and not not deconstructing it but sort of honing in on the things that are great about yeah. it and just ramping them up yeah it was good i'm excited i think he that. tweeted um the day after we yeah. played about how they had worked out uh, mechanics for combat to Ooh. make that fun the next okay. day so it was am, good to see i'm so excited to see how it progresses yeah uh there's one game this is gonna be super quick uh it is a new it is a it is a variant for misspent youth that's going to be on the Kickstarter yeah. called Outrageous Youth. And the idea is, and this is by Robert, well, the I don't know who the variant is by actually, but the game, the original game is by Robert Bull, mm-hmm. and he was running it. And they replaced some of the mechanics that take you from being cheerful, bright teenagers and being now being like sellout and like gross adults. And now instead of selling out, you rock out. <laughs> and so for 90 seconds... You headbang and play air guitar and just like rock out, and it was hilarious and awesome. And we stuck it to the man, and it was it was great. Sounds good. That's so cool. It sounds like there was actually a couple like rock games, like yeah. Rockalypse, Tower of Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I heard but, good things about but that. Rockalypse one. doesn't have a thing that you're playing the air guitar mm. while slamming your head up and down. Mm, so, that's uh, true. I mean, I guess you could, but it's not the same. Yeah. I've been, so. I've been, I have a, a, I don't know if it's a hack or just an adventure setting in my head that I have, I've been thinking was probably going to be a last best hope uh, hack, but it might be a Rockalypse hack now. Hmm. I need to look at the Rockalypse. I like Fate better anyway. Yeah, we know. I, I have a problem. but uh, I still don't like Fate. 
did you want to say? Oh, I was just going to add there the other game that I played that I'm super excited to see come like, coalesce into the game that it, it can be was uh, I played in a playtest of James D'Amato's Call Center and full disclosure, I mean, I'm on his network, but I love this game, whoever, you know, not just because it's James's game, but because it is aiming to capture the essence of what it's like to work in a call center, um, which I worked as phone support for over a year not in a center, but in my own home, where oh. there was no one within Eyeline to be supportive, uh, and it was it's, it's a very right. difficult position. Like I can imagine, like even being in a room with a hundred other people, it's super super difficult. Um, and I think it's an experience that really really shaped me in a, in a very strong way. It's it's a job that I think about a lot. Uh, it's it's not one of the longer longest jobs that I've had, but like it's but definitely been one of the most formative and important. That's one of those um, things. It feels like you did it for. It years. feels like I did it for a lifetime. Yeah, and I and the when I think about it, sometimes I'll think, oh, it was it was wonderful, and I had such a great time doing this thing. And then two seconds later, it's like, nope, glad I got out of that one. Like I remember the, all the nightmare aspects of it. So to play this game and to be able to share that experience with other people of like, listen. This is why even a four-hour shift ruined me for the day. Yeah. Like, you need to understand what this was like. Um, so the way we played it, we were we were experimenting with it in in different forms. So it's not quite that experience yet. It, it was it was we got some we got some good bits. It was very silly. Uh, we had we had a good time like releasing some emotion about. I think a lot of people who are playing the game have been in that. Uh, kind of position before have worked in that type of job before so we got to uh, have a little bit of a cathartic experience being the people calling in and like just trying to make <laughs> life difficult and you know nodding to the things that we've experienced from our supervisors and and the things that we used to have to do so like it was a nice little therapy session uh, but when that game becomes a fully fledged game that we can like share with people I'm I'm so excited for it like it's That's going awesome. to be hard but it's going to be fun and funny and it's going to be everything I think that like that that kind of job experience was. It's a it's a mixed bag of emotions. So yeah, nothing that I that I feel like I need to hack. But uh, ev everything I played so far has been like, yes, you're going to get there. You're going to be a awesome. game that I want to play or incorporate like dialect. I know I'm going to want to incorporate into other games to like yeah. help build do some world building. Yeah, <laughs> um, we've talked about um, using dialect and microscope to yep. like build a crazy world mm -hmm. and then dive into that world and. Someday yeah. it, will, it, will, it will be part of my giant game, Voltron, where I take 30 games together. and It's going to be amazing. I, I did enjoy going to, like, getting to talk to people this weekend and getting to go to panels and getting reminded that, like, oh, yeah, there are games that I want to make. Like, yeah. And here's yeah. how I could approach it. Like, going to the, there was a panel on micro games that was really great. And I, you know, halfway through the panel, I'm like, oh, shit. Maybe my game is a micro game. Maybe that's how I need to approach this. I did and exactly the same thing. I started. I, I had. I had had an idea kicking around in my head, and I actually started writing like a LARP in the middle of the panel. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, so. I think everybody there was like, oh, oh, oh shit. Oh, yeah. Like I saw. Like everybody's on their phones. Like, what if we did this? What if we would talk? Huh? What, like whispering frantically in the audience while they're trying yeah. to talk about micro games. Like everybody came out like, this is what I'm gonna do, and yeah. it was it was amazing. That, that was a very positive panel, and yeah. and, and the takeaway from that was like. If you have a cool mechanic and you can't, you're maybe not, you're there, you're maybe you're not at developing it into a full game yet. Mm. Make it into a multi, uh, micro game, yeah, and like that's fine, and those are fun. And I want to play more yeah. around with. Um, I need to find that guy, um, 
some of the the micro uh, box games for like little card games yes. or board games. That the guy's uh, I wish I remember his Tam name. Tam something. Um, uh, was yeah he. You know, it was a it was a, a worker placement resource placement it game. It fit in his pocket. It was ridiculous. Which yeah I think when we think of oh games that are easy to put in your bag or your pocket to carry somewhere it's always card games. Yeah. And some of those are fine but some of those are like oh cool we're gonna play magic again like I'm not playing this get out of here. Uh, uh, is it Tam Myung? Yeah. And I might saw be saying his name wrong. And I saw him playing it later last night. Yeah. And it was so cool. There's like all these different like cards you put out, and there was yeah. an archway, and there were workers and stuff. Oh, that's and so I, good. I, like I yeah, I want portable games with like little pieces that you move. And he was using cards to like build a map yeah. that you actually yeah, play yeah, yeah. on, so like you can spread out on your cafe table and, and play in the coffee shop or something. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I want. I want more like I like games with pieces. I like interesting yeah. things to move around. I don't want to have to look at cards all the time forever. Yeah. yeah. I know depth. they're I know they're cheap to produce, but like, it's um, so worth it if you can find a real physical thing. Yeah, it's tangible. I'm so over ju- like just cards. Like, oh, the ward he brought um clipboards, <gasps> and so we had our character sheet, and like the yes! sheet was set up in a That's way that important. it folded down like a uh, like a medical record, and like looked like a medical record, and it was like a space for place a photo here. And it was just yeah. like I was looking at, I was playing, and like during the game, I kept picking up the play the yeah. clipboard to use it as like a shield against my my mean supervisor, <laughs> yeah. uh, and like, oh, I could talk for That's, hours. I have such stuff like that is yeah. what makes me so happy about games. Like yeah. when when they do those clever things, like it was an apocalypse yeah. game that I played. That he brought. It was like in an like a big um like army surplus box and it like opens up and it was like cloth and like tin cans and like nuts and bolts and i i have no idea how he's going to be able to produce this thing because i think it's going to be expensive as, yeah. as all or like how to even pack it mm. but it was super cool because you know it was like you know you take the thing and bing falls in the tin can so uh so i think that's probably all we have for metatopia i i could talk for another two hours yeah Yeah. i'm sure each of you could do as well but uh megan uh thank you so much for coming on absolutely uh it was it's always so great hanging out with you at these conventions i'm looking forward to many more yep and uh tell us about your crappy podcast yeah i'm a stupid podcast you can find at uh well, first of all, my podcast is called Modifier. It's about the the different ways that people change games and why they do it. So from accessibility, like we talked about today, to specific projects. Uh, we talk about mechanics and, I don't know, all sorts of stuff. It's Sunday. It's like yeah. the last day of Metatopia. You, just we interview, you interview a bunch we some of stuff. really cool people. You yeah, just talked to... We just talked to Quinn. Quinn. Quinn, yes, who is beautiful and wonderful and has the best podcast voice and everybody should listen to that episode he talks about culture modding which was amazing uh and and definitely something that people should listen to and take into account um yeah we just do all kinds of weird stuff but you can find it uh it's at oneshotpodcast.com or modifier.tumblr.com which i don't think i've updated since like june (laughs) but episodes have come out and, and I'm active on Twitter for both Modifier, uh, it's at Modifier Podcast, or my garbage Twitter is at Meglish. And we'll put that in the show yeah. notes as well for easier yeah, yeah, access. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I joke and throw <laughs> stones at Modifier. Modifier yeah. is a really solid podcast. Uh, we love having it in the hacking community. It is, yeah. like, having these two podcasts, I think, really benefits both of us. Yeah. And 
So we're thrilled to be I know, able to, to I definitely walked away from Modifier, listening to Modifier episodes and thinking about, oh, we should do that as an episode, but here's how we can do it differently. Like, yeah. I want to talk to Quinn, but not about culture, sort of not about culture hacking. Yeah, yeah. I want to include him. This is the first time you're hearing this. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to come when we do our episode on how we hacked all the uh, fantasy races into different things. Yes. I want to bring him on to yes. talk about designing interesting fantasy cultures. That's interesting. That would be cool. And, and I definitely what? listen to Stop, Hack, and Roll and say, oh, I'm going to talk to Jeff Stormer now. I'm just yeah. going to do your exact show. <laughs> or, or, or we just have the exact same thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Pasión de los pasiones. Uh, one of the core things in it is that it is statless and uses questions instead. Yeah. And the reason I decided to do that is because I was listening to Andrew Medeiros, who yeah. is phenomenal, tell you that you uh, couldn't do PBTA without stats. Uh, so, yeah. uh, that story I'm not, is my favorite. I promise I'm so not good. trying to fight Andrew Medeiros because that guy's amazing. He's one of my idols. Uh, Brandon but just I, has a knee-jerk fight me reflex that yeah, like I, cannot be stopped. <laughs> As soon as I hear can't, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Check out Modifier. Uh, talk to Meg on Twitter. She's on Twitter as oh. much as we are. Yeah. Too much. Too much. Uh, I have classes I'm much. supposed to be paying attention to. I can't be doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... Well, you, you can find us at, um... I'm at, at End the Meltdowns. And I'm at Dr. Captain Cobalt. And Together we are... No, we're not doing that again. <laughs> we're not doing that I again. I that in the last episode. All right. Together we are at Stop, Hack, and Roll. <laughs> Which we both are on, and so it's a it's a toss-up as to who it's you'll get in touch with, though. but um, sometimes both of us from the same account talking to you in diff- about two different things. Um, are you can all... Oh. Well, the website is stophackandroll.com. We See? are... I'm sorry. I keep... We're Jumping on top of you. Uh, we are also on Facebook, on G+. We are technically on Tumblr, uh, <laughs> only because Meg threatened to steal our Tumblr. Yeah. So You the, got on it real fast. Yeah, so. I, I got on that. <laughs> the, um, the website now has a games page where you yes. can see early copies of the things that we're working on. Um, they're all in the show notes from the episodes we talked about them, but now they're collected all in one spot. Yeah, and if a game becomes something bigger that's, like, starting to develop into something, it might end up with its own page, but for now it's just a brief little write-up on each of the things. So, uh... Thanks, guys. When it's one o'clock in the morning and you're at a convention in New Jersey and all of your friends disappear to go off and do a crazy crystal courtroom thing because they're cool, uh, don't forget to stop, hack and roll. should have bought the glow sticks at the drugstore and I yeah. didn't. Well, maybe they're done thumping for now. A lot of us, because we're obviously here next to the microphones, I'm getting a lot of the noise. I'm getting a little bit of James D'Amato.